Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I'm your host, Michael Byers, and with me is not my normal co-host, Nick Richards, sadly. He's spearheading the Plein Air Art Festival in Maryland, so he's sitting out this week. Instead, I'll be sitting down with Brennan Klein. Brennan is an authority on horror, as he writes for popular publications such as Arrow in the Head and Blumhouse.com. He's also the co-host of the podcast, Scream 101, and writes the blog, Jiffy Pop Culture, which that name still kills me to this day. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Brennan? I'm doing all right. That was a very kind introduction. Thank you. Like, I, I, I thought about what like, I was trying to do some research and find out ways to beef it up, but I thought I, I hit everything. I couldn't find out if you still write for Arrow in the Head. I couldn't see how. Okay. Um, I don't, but oh, well, I did. I'll used have to, to edit that out. <laughs> so if you want to read about news from seven months ago, you can go look at my Arrow in well, the Head page. I, I looked up your Arrow in the Head page and. Maybe this will make sense. Maybe it won't. Okay. Because uh, funny thing is, I, I've been reading your articles on Blumhouse before we even met each other. Cool. Thank you. Uh, just because anytime someone writes about a slasher film, it's usually one of the articles I'm going to read. Um, and so before I even knew who you were, I was reading your articles. And I decided to go back to your Arrow in the Head stuff and see what kind of stuff you're writing there. And it's not a slight on you or Arrow in the Head, but it just didn't seem like those articles had any of your personality because it seemed like it was all news-based. No, yeah, that 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 is what it was, and I enjoyed working for them, but I'm very much happier with my content at Blumhouse because they have so much uh, more creativity you can put into it. I've, I've noticed that because I've been following the page since it first started. And uh, before we get on to our topic uh, today, which is going to be slasher films, which I'm sure you, you there's a lot of things you like about horror besides slasher films, oh, but sure. that's kind of what bonded us. That's, that's what bonded us from the beginning uh, with slasher films. So eventually we'll find out each other's other interests, okay. <laughs> but right now I've been enjoying talking about slasher films. I'm into that. That's what I want to do because nobody in my life wants to talk about them. So that's why I write about them. No, exactly. Like my, my uh, I've been introducing my wife to a lot of them slowly, and she's she's d- definitely interested in them. But like, my friends who are into horror, one usually aren't into it as much as I am. Absolutely. And then two, like slasher films are weird because they, uh, whenever t- someone is like talking about the, the stereotypical horror tropes that they don't like, it, they're always picking on slasher films. Oh, absolutely. And as much as I love slasher films, like th- those complaints are accurate. Like, yeah. not there are great slasher films, but a lot of the ones that I watch are terrible or really cliche or whatever. Um, but there's still something incredibly fun about them, and yeah. I can defend them to the hilt. I I can too, and I've I've gotten a weird reputation amongst people of defending uh, the undefendable. Like what? If that makes sense. Um, I have while I haven't liked all of his movies, I will defend Rob Zombie as a director, which gets me okay. a lot of shit. Um I can see that. Not a fan personally, but like That's fair. Most people aren't. As an But I will def- I will defend his vision. Yeah, as an esthetician, he is not really Ooh, nice word. What? I said nice oh, word. Thank esthetician. You. Yeah, no, visually, there's nothing wrong with him. No, and then like I've also defended Hostel way more than I feel like I should have. Uh I guess this qualifies as part of the shame list, but I have not seen Hostel. That's fair. Actually, I was when I was listening to your Halloween 2 episode, it made me feel a lot better. Uh, the Halloween 2 episode of your Scream 101 podcast. Yes. Which I really like the dynamic of that show, and we'll touch on that in a little cool. bit. Um, but I, I was very happy that you, you openly admitted the fact that you hadn't seen Alien up to that point. Um, 
because I, I I don't know your background completely, and I'm gonna touch on. I, I want to find out a okay. little bit about that in, here in a minute. But you know, I went to I, I I live in Milwaukee. Yes, and I went to a uh, a film school here in Milwaukee, UWM, and it's primarily an art school. Okay, like it's 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 an art house film school. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if you, it's really hard to admit to a bunch of pretentious peers that you haven't seen things. Uh, and I was, I said this in the first episode of the shame list where I, uh, I was so more intrigued by tracking down the weird and unusual that I missed things like the Godfather and big films like that. So that was the whole point of this podcast is just anything that we, we, we need an excuse to see, we see it. So I was happy that you openly admitted you hadn't seen Alien because I feel like most groups would like chastise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, that's, that's something I have no shame about. Uh, look, there are hundreds, thousands of, maybe millions of movies in the world. You can't have seen them all. (laughs) Like, it's literally impossible. So people who are like, oh, you haven't seen this one? It's like, okay, who cares? I'll watch it if it's really good and if you really want me to, but I can't have seen everything. No, exactly. And there's no reason to be ashamed of that. And plus, if if you have something that you haven't seen that people like that you can see for the first time that's a real that's a, a blessing in disguise because everyone else has talked alien to death but I watched it for the first time and it was new to me as much as it can be cuz you know I've I've seen the chest bursting scene before or whatever but yeah I actually I saw alien in a really cool way I uh I saw it in film school My, okay. we had a, uh, like a, cool a professor there she she taught uh she had a class that was called Films That Failed. Oh. But realistically, it's about it's about cult cinema and films that just didn't get they weren't understood when they came that out. Sounds really interesting. Uh so like uh we we had to do a debate at the end of the class. We had to debate two films and we had to debate Howard the Duck versus <laughs> <laughs> the village. That's awesome. Because they're two films they're two films that failed and you had to debate, like you had to defend them. Um I'm into that. And uh, she yeah, she also had a has like a, a PhD in sound mixing and horror film. That's so cool. Like the so, specifically, that's, that's what it's about. Yes. Okay. So she she was cool. So she showed us Alien for the first oh. time. So that's how I got to. I saw that in film school, but I hadn't seen The Exorcist up until a couple. Wow. Months okay. Ago. So so we're, that's what we're working with here. I see. Yeah. No, but I can totally relate to your experience in film school because I went to film school too. I went to Cal State Long Beach in California. And okay. I actually have a teach. I'm familiar what? with it. I'm familiar with. Yeah, the it's where Spielberg went and subsequently dropped out of. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, but first of all, I had a professor kind of similar to yours. She showed us Under the Skin in a film theory class, which was intense. But her um, like doctoral thesis in college was about uh, pornography. <laughs> all right. Which was super interesting. She was rad as hell. Yeah, she sounds like it. Oh yeah. No, but in um in these film classes, everybody wants to be the next Quentin Tarantino, and everybody wants to make Apocalypse Now or whatever. And I'm just sitting in the library watching the silent scream and the unseen on my computer. <laughs> Speaking of Coppola, um, Apocalypse Now is on my list of things I haven't seen. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now, but like I always hear Coppola as being regarded as like a master, a master of his craft and everything, and. Granted, I guess I can't really like I haven't seen a whole lot of his stuff, but uh, it, I saw Peggy Sue got married the other night. It was on, it was oh, on Hulu, okay. and I was like, now I get Coppola, and it's not even like one of his masterworks. But like I watched that movie and it's like I get him now. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, most like famous actors or directors I know through their horror work because that's kind of how I approach most things. And that's what I've seen the most of. Yeah. Because that's kind of well, it's my job now, so I kind of prioritize watching horror movies more than anything else. Um, so that makes sense. I lost track of what I was saying. Um, but no, like, I think learning about pretentious film, like in quotes, films is important and learning about how to make films, but I don't think that should in in any way reduce your enjoyment of like crap films or cult films. I agree. Like, if anything, I feel like I appreciate slasher films more because I think a lot of, um rabid film fans like um you listen to shockwaves right the podcast oh, yeah that that's, that's, does. I, I credit them as for being one of the reasons i wanted to get back into podcasting yeah because this is actually my second podcast oh congratulations um, my other one we got four episodes so it's not that big of a deal okay <laughs> um well this one's going stronger you're at 18 yeah my, my other one it. my other one was about the simpsons uh so that's pretty cool uh but we only got four episodes so <laughs> so uh, a couple fewer episodes than The Simpsons. A little itself. bit, a little bit. So people who are really into filmmaking, um, like I would cite Elric Kane from Shockwaves as someone who's really into like genuine cinema and the appreciation of the art of cinema. He yeah. really likes really weird cult movies. Same. Because, yeah, no, because the thing is, if you're that into cinema, there's only so many gems that you can watch. There's only so many like perfect artistic films and then you run out, and then you just want to find weirder and weirder stuff that shows you things that you haven't seen before. Honestly, I'm the same way, and there's sometimes I feel like I might be like more lenient on films than I should be because I am trying to find the artistry in it. Like That's one thing I have to say about going to an, art- uh, an experimental film school has taught me. It's, it's showed me a lot of new ways to to look at the genre. And actually, one of the franchises I want to talk about today is Friday the 13th because okay. – I was in sophomore year of college, so it was right around the time I started taking a lot of theory classes, they, and they, they put all the weird, hard stuff at the beginning to weed out people. Okay. My school was, hard, was weird because like we were shooting strictly on 16-millimeter film at first. You weren't allowed to touch a digital camera until you, oh my passed, God. Until you passed through like your your preliminaries and like that's when you had to take all of your experimental film classes and learn about like George Kuchar and uh you know all those guys mm-hmm. i had my wisdom teeth removed when i was in college oh and i had i had seen the friday the 13th movies sporadically throughout my youth but never watched mm-hmm. in the end and i uh i had a uh the guy who took me to go get my wisdom teeth removed he lent me his collection and i had a bunch of vicodin <laughs> So Ooh, that re- sounds wonderful. I was really high in Vicodin with the my mind awakened by cinema watching through Friday the 13th. And afterwards, like I just felt like I could write a 30-page essay about this. Oh, absolutely. And that's what kind of re- – like it's like I, I thought those movies were amazing. Like not necessarily great movies, but no, well, just amazing – like the oeuvre of them. There's a difference between technical quality and film quality sometimes where it's like – there, there's a movie, there's a slasher movie I really like called American Gothic that came out in 1988. You've got to have patience, son. You should learn to read the good book. He who waits gets. American Gothic. Welcome home. <laughs> You're it! And ain't none of you never going to get off this island alive! My mom told me that! It's about, like, these kids 
kids who crash land a little plane that they're flying on like an island in the Pacific Northwest and there's this creepy family. The parents are really old and the kids are dressed like children, but they're like middle-aged people. Creepy. It's, it's really creepy and it's really weird. And there's a lot of kills with like swing sets and kids' toys and stuff. Um, but Amazing. it's a movie. It's a movie that I find incredible, and I actually found it really creepy. And the performances were pretty good. But like in the, one of the first shots, there's a boom mic shadow like right across a tree, and you're like, ah, they weren't really super great at making a movie. But what like the product that came out of it is so like alarming and electric that I don't care that I saw a boom mic shadow. It's still really cool. Okay. Uh, I want to get back to uh, on to you just a little bit because I oh, want to find sure. out a little more about you and then we'll get back onto slasher films. And th- this is one thing I was talking about you off mic one time about like I feel like my I, the thing I like about your podcast is it's very not it's not extremely structured, but you have a structure to it. Yeah. Mine is just kind of free form. Uh, and because of Which that, sometimes... I don't mind. I just I feel lost with that structure. Sometimes I'm like, oh, no, how am I going to finish this podcast? I kind of like being lost because my, it was always my fear that if I was too structured that uh, I would, like, watch – because I'm always, like, nervously watching my time. Oh, okay. And just worried that if I was too structured, my my episodes would be, like, 15 minutes. But uh, I was going through your some of your, like, um, just the various things you do. And one, one thing I found really amusing uh, is that you are a very proud millennial. Yes. <laughs> uh and i am too so like i i just i love that you kind of become um i keep using the third word authority because i can't think of a better word but you hey know, you, I, you, I won't complain you become an authority on, on 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 horror films with your with such a young age i don't know your exact age but i can kind of ballpark it saying you're in your 20s yeah i'm 22 wow you're a lot younger than me <laughs> i'm tw- i'm going on 27 okay uh and I and I just like that you know such a short amount of time where it's it's you might also have the same issue where right we live in a world where everything is available but it feels like nothing's available. Yeah, yeah. Um, because online I can watch the Stepfather Two on YouTube. Stepfather Two, Daddy is back. Which I have not yet, but I'm excited to. Um, but like the works of. Dario Argento you can't find anywhere yeah and I just feel like especially if rental stores and whatnot like browsing through a rental store was how I how I decided what I wanted to watch half the time okay yeah I see what you're and saying. um uh but through like Amazon and everything because everything is there it's like I feel like I can never pick anything yeah there's no way to pare down that selection I see what you're saying yeah so it's it feels like everything's available but nothing's available mm. um I was just I was talking earlier about uh, your work for Blumhouse, and I one thing I love just you always have interesting lists, Thank and you. I I like that you told me that one thing that you've been trying to do is, you know, you take like a um, a big tentpole film and you try to pair it up with a slasher film, mm-hmm. and it's just it kind of reminds me of like, uh, you know, pairing your meal with a good wine or something. Yeah, like, you know, instead of watching, I used Wonder Woman, even though you didn't write about Wonder Woman. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, yes, I missed that one. Here's Wonder Woman, and here's what we'll pair with it. And I, I, I thought that was cool. But how did you get hooked up with Blumhouse? How did I get hooked up with Blumhouse? Okay. Um, yeah. It well, I put a lot of time into it. I actually, um, I got really into the previous incarnation of the Shockwaves podcast, Killer POV. Killer POV. Me too. I was legitimately heartbroken when I found out they're quitting. Oh yeah, but but like then, uh, next week they started the new one. 
Uh, I'm good friends with one of Elric's friends, Dick Gerner. Oh, cool. Because he's from he's from Milwaukee. He I'm a filmmaker, and he gave he uh, he was uh, a ju- a judge on a film festival here in town. Uh, and he's he told I, was, I messaged him. He's like, I'm really lost right now because the show I listen to religiously is going away. And he's like, Don't tell anyone, but they're coming back. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> I was like, Okay. Yeah, they, that was confusing for a lot of people, and I think a lot of people took like a couple months to find Shockwaves, even though like they switched over the Twitter because they didn't like announce it. Yeah. Because I think they they wanted to be respectful to Geek Nation and like the company that had given them so much of their time and resources. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. So I got really into Killer POV because I had a very long commute to because I was commuting from Long Beach to Universal City, which probably doesn't mean a lot Jesus. to you. But no, I I have in my I've got friends in California, so I I don't know the exact amount, but I have in my brain kind of like how long it that could, is. Isn't it like an it, hour? Forty five minutes in to an traffic. Hour? It could take two and a half hours. Oh wow! I was way off. In the Midwest, everything is forty five minutes to an oh, hour. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're so lucky. Um, but, but yeah, it was... I could be 15 minutes to work. It was like probably an hour and a half to get there, two and a half to get home. So oh my God. I got really into podcasts. Actually, not important, but that job, I was transcribing episodes of The Simpsons. So it ties into your old podcast. Uh, at some point, we'll have to talk about that because that is my, I've got a Homer Simpson test. That's awesome. It's, it's, that was my first love. Okay, cool. Yeah, we will. But um, sorry, I will answer your question. I get distracted easily. Um, I do too. So I got really into Killer POV, and I was like, these people are really awesome. I want to be friends with them. So I kind of, I kind of single white femaled them, I guess. <laughs> um, like. I was always too afraid to do that because I didn't want them to call me out of being the single white. Oh yeah, no, 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 not I'm I'm exaggerating. But there is an event that um, Rebecca from the podcast and at the time Ryan Turek, who's also on Shockwaves, um, were host mm-hmm. hosting in Burbank called Dead Right Horror Trivia Night, which is a, a monthly horror trivia event that's still going on, but um, Ryan's not involved anymore. Um, Dick keeps telling me if I ever come out to L.A., he'll yeah, you have in. to. It's so fun. On, look, um, it's not – you don't have to, like, really, like, be gotten in. Like, you can show up and play and have fun. Um, but – so I went to Trivia Night for, like, two or – I've been going for three, year, three years at this point. And wow. I just started – like, I started meeting people there. And I talked to Becca in between her hosting rounds and stuff. And I ended up volunteering for her um, – at conventions when she used to work at Fangoria and I was a PA on some of her short films and on her feature film and I held boom mic which I was not prepared to do but I hope I did a good job if it's not in the shot then you did a good yeah, job yeah I I think I did that it is exhausting um but anyway yes it is a event like I've worked enough for her for free and hanging out that um I found out that there was the internship opportunity at Blumhouse and I was like, it's not paid, but I'll do it. And so I kind of worked there for a couple of months, learning about the site and writing stuff. And now I just work there. That's kind of actually kind of cool. And I've, I's, I've always uh, been, sh- I, I always struggled because like, like I, I always take on free work and it never leads to anything. Because like I used to write for, um, God, what is the name of the, uh, it's 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 one of those it's one of those big film it's one of those film websites that does a lot of lists and I cannot think of what it's called at the moment. Um, you'll have to be more specific. 
I know. Give me one second, and I'll find out on my Facebook because it's it used to. It still should be on okay. there under like what I've done. But I used to write a lot of lists. Love that. And uh, because like I, I went to film school, you know, like everyone did, with the intention of becoming a filmmaker, and. I'm still making films on the side, and uh, it's something I. It's, my, it's still my main love, but I thought this might not be able to sustain itself. Oh yeah, and I just want to be. I just want to be involved with film culture. Oh, it's Taste of Cinema. Oh, okay, yeah. I used to, I used to write for Taste of Cinema, and um, and I was the kind of the go-to horror guy, so I did a lot of lists for them about horror. Cool. And I used to write for the because I just I just thought I want to be involved in film in some way, even if I'm not making them. I I would like to because it's kind of what keeps me going to my shitty day job mm-hmm. is knowing that I've got this thing that I love. That's exactly how and, I feel. And I started writing for them and I kind of had a falling out with them mm-hmm. because I I was doing a list on like the 10 creepiest horror locations and I love Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I need I should have to write about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining in every single list I do. Yeah, exactly. And this guy was uh, the guy who's who I was my contact was like, "Well, wh- why isn't the Overlook Hotel in this?" And I was like, "Everyone writes about The Shining, dude. I don't want to." And he's like, "Well, our readers want to read about The Shining." <laughs> so, uh I kind of uh cursed him out a little bit. Oh. Okay. I got to say that's the nerdiest reason to have a falling out and that's incredible. <laughs> Um, and then I was also an intern for Troma for many years. Yeah, I saw um, that on your Facebook. That sounds awesome. It was. It was. It just got to the point where I realized, like, I'm trying to start a family and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, I occasionally got paid off a DVD. Yeah. Um. So I was like, you know what? So I think it's cool that you were able to turn that into something, because um, a lot of these websites, you know, there's no money to a lot oh, of yeah. this. Yeah. Uh... I wouldn't recommend a career in online journalism to anyone wanting to, uh, you know, buy a house or really pay rent on something that's not a studio. But um, I don't know. I, I work at Target and I still struggle to make my rent. Yeah. Oh, and you live in Wisconsin. It's probably a lot cheaper there. Um, I'm I'm curious what your rent is, but I don't I don't want to be impolite now. Nah, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah, because like I, I'm sure our, our there's a big difference in our numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, not important. But yeah, I it, yeah. like I'm very happy that I've gotten anything out of this. Um, and I get I get to go to the Blumhouse office, which is like almost payment in and of itself. It's a really cool space to be in, and there's a lot of really cool people there. That sounds like it. All right, well, we'll we'll start wrapping this up and getting okay. slasher films. But uh, I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit the origins of your podcast, Scream One Hundred and One, because I feel like I I I I just started listening to it, but through your podcast, I I realized I want to continue listening to it. So if you want to talk okay. about that podcast and uh, kind of where beginners should begin, because that's where I'm struggling. But then your your podcast also uh, introduced me to Kill by Kill. Yeah, oh, that podcast is incredible. Um, uh, so I want you to talk about Scream 101 and where we should begin and kind of your structure because it, you treat it like a lesson, like like a course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's really, really fucking cool. Okay, yeah. Um, like where to begin with the podcast? Yes. Okay, well, um, we, we're actually, this month we're celebrating our t- second anniversary of the podcast. We've done it for Congratulations. two years. Thank you. 
Um, the because I started it because of, like like you, I really liked Killer POV and Shockwaves and all the other podcasts I was listening to. And I was like, I gotta do this because this has become a love fest for Killer POV. Oh <laughs> yeah, Shockwaves. I mean that that's how we met. We met through their fan club. Yes, group it's, that's page. fair. Um, but yeah, so. I was just a fan of all these podcasts I was getting obsessed with because of my terrible, terrible commute. And I was like, I gotta make me one of these. And there's no one in my immediate life who loved horror movies as much as I did. Um, mm-hmm. So what I kind of, uh, the idea that I had is I had friends who were willing to watch horror movies but just didn't have a, as thorough of a knowledge base as I do. Like, they yeah. can't start talking about Suspiria off the top of their heads or whatever. So um, I originally started the podcast with my roommate, Shannon, who um, she she's very much a gore hound, we discovered, but um, she didn't really know about horror movies. So the idea was like I'd be showing her something that I really liked and we'd get like the two different perspectives of me like being in the horror nerd trenches and her just liking films but not knowing about the genre and hearing how our two perspectives kind of clashed. And I thought that was interesting. But we kind of landed on where we are now after Shannon moved up to Seattle to go do good and help children or whatever. So it's so mysterious. It almost sounds like what you tell like your like a child when their dog yeah, she, dies. Yeah, she went to a farm. It's okay. There's lots of sheep for her to play with. <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah. good. But um, for the second season, I now do it with my co-host Sergio, who is um, he's so uninten- he's unintentionally funny as hell, and I can't explain why. Oh, yeah. No, he's hilarious. He, um, I don't know. I just feel like he stumbles into these kind of linguistic bear traps that he then tries to get himself out of. That's fair. Um, That's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. No, he's hilarious. But the what, what I decided to do was make it more structured and more like a course, like you said, um, where each month we pick a different like subgenre of horror that neither of us have seen too much of. Um, oh, that's because even I wanted cooler. to start. I thought, see, I thought it was you teaching him, but it's kind of cool that you're both learning it kind of together. Yeah, because I, I wanted to adjust it, because I know enough about horror in general that I can talk with some knowledge about any topic, but there's a lot of movies I haven't seen, so I was trying to, like, scrape in more and more so I can, well, I can write more for this site, and I can learn more just for myself. Um, That's awesome. so, That's a cool way to do it. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll pick a topic, and the first week we'll do, like, a really famous title in that topic. Like we started with vampires and our first episode was Dracula. Um, which one? The, the 1931, the, uh, okay. Bella Lugosi, which yeah, okay. really boring by the way. Oh yeah. It does not hold up. I, I try to watch it every couple of years thinking this is going to be the year I'm going to understand this film. Mm-mm. And it's like, man, this hour and 12 minute movie feels like two hours. It feels like you've lived as long as Dracula after you're through with it. Yeah, you feel like you've gone through some shit. Yeah, yeah, but um, so we kind of start with the big ones and kind of taper down into the like more obscure. Like we did Dracula and uh, Let the Right One In, which is like a pretty big modern one. And we ended on Vampires, which is this lesbian vampire film from the 70s. I think Criterion did a release of that. I've been meaning to see it because, like, the images of it look beautiful. Yeah, uh, I also wouldn't recommend oh. it. I was really bored by okay. it. Okay. Um, but it's shot in the same castle where they shot Rocky Horror Picture Show, so that's cool. That, yeah, 
Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that's kind of what we're doing. And the podcast episode that you listened to um, was our Halloween episode with uh, Patrick Hamilton of the Kill by Kill podcast, who is, he's been such a good friend to the show, and he's so incredible. He's He actually had me on Kill by Kill for one of their episodes about Friday the 13th Part 5. But, okay. He's got such a nice voice. Oh, he's so <laughs> soothing. I love him. Yeah, I, uh, that's what made me want to listen to his show. It's like, I don't care what he's talking about. I just need to hear more. Yeah, and he's me. talking about Friday the 13th. Like, everyone should listen to that show. No, I should stop shilling for other shows, but Kill by Kill, incredible. You should listen to it. I I was a little bummed out that episode one is no longer on iTunes. Oh, really? So I had to start with episode two. Yeah, maybe it's just like whatever server yeah. he's using or whatever only allows him so many but that's just inside baseball talk about yeah. podcasting no okay sorry about. anyway um where do to begin with our show um yeah just like because like, i guess you know most people would say episode one but that's a that's a task like you just to start all the way from the beginning so if there's like a good so like is it is it best for you to have seen the movies you're talking about or can you just kind of jump in and like listen to you that's guys, a, like yeah, yeah, you know that's a I'm great question. One, well, I I would never suggest starting with episode one of any podcast that's not like narrative, because um, the first episode of both of the Scream One Hundred and One seasons, I'm like, yeah, like listening back to it. Um, but we've, uh, yeah, I I haven't listened to episode one in a while for my show. Yeah, you sure you get better point. at podcasting as you go along. So I, what I would say is start with a more recent month. I think. We did a super like accessible and fun month in June, which we did aquatic horror. Hmm. Yeah, that's one I don't know. Me neither. Um, yeah, we watched we watched Jaws. We watched Deep Blue Sea. Oh well, yeah. Oh, I've seen both. Uh, Dead Calm with Nicole Kidman, and then we watched Orca the Killer okay. Whale. The ancient Romans called him Orca or Kynus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe. The killer whale. Yeah, that movie's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I think that month is pretty good. We had some good conversations. And if it's if you want to go really recent, this week our episode on the movie Orphan came out the uh, mm-hmm. the two thousand nine one with uh, Vera Farmiga. Okay. I think that that episode was really fun. Okay. Um, I'd suggest having seen the movies before watching or before listening, um, because we do spoil the movies. That's fair. Um, but if you don't really care about spoilers for vampires or Orca the Killer Whale, which, why would you? Um, we try our best to explain it to people who haven't seen it. That's fair. All right. So the last thing, which will tie into our main topic, is um, your blog, Jiffy Pop Culture, and then more, more specifically, Census Bloodbath, and yes. how all of this began. Okay. Um, yeah, my... You can find it at jiffypopculture at blog.blogspot.com. That name makes me um, happy. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started off, I used to review just everything I ever watched, which was exhausting, but I had time to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't do that anymore, and I no longer review current movies because I, I work with Blumhouse, and it just, it seems kind of, I didn't want to judge current work of people who are just trying to make it in the industry anymore. Because that's kind of what I'm no, doing. No, that's that's fair. And I've like I've always used to say, especially because I am a filmmaker, that it's not polite of one filmmaker to trash another one. And uh, while I still believe that, I feel like it's more so anything within the last ten, fifteen years. You know, people who are still working, yeah. like something. Like, I guess there's it, a statute of limitations. To, it's easy for me to talk shit about Bela Lugosi and Dracula, uh, 
because yeah, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can't get mad. Yeah, oh, he could come back. He was buried in his You game. are, that is correct. Um, but yeah, so what I, I kind of am doing a lot of retro material and mostly horror stuff because that's what I'm into. Like, I'm yeah. doing like a, a marathon of Pedro Almodovar movies, like the Spanish art house director because okay. I love him, but mostly horror. And um, Census Bloodbath is my project where I'm trying to watch and review every single slasher movie that was released in the 1980s. Because I want to be an expert on this genre that I really love. And ooh, it's uh there's so many of them. How deep have you gotten? I'm probably about a hundred and forty five deep. Um, and there's like four hundred and thirty something. <laughs> Here's the question though. You're about uh one fourth of the way through, yeah. give or take. And this is a, 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 a subgenre that, like myself, you're really into. After watching one-fourth of every <laughs> slasher film ever made, has it made you continue to love them? Or have you ever been like, woof, most of these are pretty bad? Okay, um, that's a great question. Because I have stuck with it, which first of all shows how stubborn I am. But also, I really love... I still find a lot of things to like and love about the slasher movies that I watch. Um... I I've um I've come to find that I appreciate slasher movies that randomly turn into things that aren't slasher movies for 20 minutes or so. Like <laughs> yeah. oh, this one has a car chase in it or this one like goes underwater for a long time or just weird stuff. Um there are I've had rough patches. <laughs> like because I, I think I saw on your blog that 1980 in itself was kind of a rough patch. Oh, yeah. 1980 is um, the year they were still figuring things out. Friday the 13th had come out, but there were still a lot of movies that were kind of trailing behind the, the Grindhouse era and lots of ripoffs of Psycho still 20 years later. I was looking at the list, and um, and it's, 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 it's interesting that like some of these, I guess, I would not have considered slasher films. No, it's been very like, hard to define what should go on the list, but I'm just trying to be like, thorough. Like, Dress to Kill... I don't know if I would have counted as a slasher film, but seeing it on the list is like, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can understand why it's a slasher film, but like seeing Dress to Kill right next to Prom Night, which I actually think Prom Night's kind of a brilliant movie that has grown on me over mm-hmm. time. Um, it's weird to think that like both of these are on the same list. Or Fade to Black, which is it does not feel like a slasher film at all. Well, for for me, Fade to Black is definitely a slasher film. There's like okay. very ritualized murders in it. Like he has That's fair. That's he has fair. his mo. He dresses up like uh, I guess the small body count is what made me and like the small body count that doesn't seem okay. very gruesome. So I guess it's it, but it's a baby slasher. Yeah, um, especially in 1980, you get a lot of those. Like I reviewed Road Games, which I think has one kill in it. Um. There are more. There are more dead bodies in it. I think there's a total of like three total deaths, but you only see one of them. Okay. But that, especially in 1980, things were kind of ramping up to what would become the slasher phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And road games and like the the stepfather is kind of like this, um, where you don't see that many kills within the movie, but I view it as a a micro slasher. You're watching one yep. leg of the journey of a serial killer who's been working for a long time. So, kind of like Maniac in a way is. Yeah, well. I mean Maniac definitely has a higher body count. 
Yeah, it does, but it's it's in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 still relatively small. Yeah. No, but but like like the the stepfather. Um you only see I think two kills on screen, but this is a guy that you know has been doing like he's been meeting a family and murdering them like over and over and over again for a really long time, but you're just zooming in on this one part of his experience. No, that's 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 actually a great point. Um, I I have my answer for this, but uh, since you are the guest, I always like to go with you okay. first. Um, what brought you to slasher films? And I I, I wonder if it's going to be similar to my answer, but because we're around, we're kind of the same age. I'm gonna young. I'm gonna make myself feel younger and say we're about okay. the same age. Uh, why why slasher films? Well, the movie that brought me to slasher films is the same movie that brought me to horror and to films in general. And um, that movie is Scream, the Wes Craven movie, because okay, this was actually the whole inception of my horror freakiness, and it actually it, it feels it's it really wasn't that long ago because Scream Four came out in 2011, and I wanted to see it because it looked cool. I saw that in theaters. Yeah, yeah but um, I hadn't seen any of the Scream movies, and I was like, I can just watch these real quick, and then I can watch Scream Four. And so I I had the Netflix DVD mail service at the time because that was the cool thing to do and streaming wasn't really big yet. So I watched through all the screams and then I was like, these movies are all referencing a bunch of other movies that I haven't seen. So that summer I watched like all the Friday the 13th movies, all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, all like Blair Witch Project, um, Halloween. And I just watched all this stuff and I couldn't get enough and i that that just kind of dropped me into the deep end immediately and i was like i gotta see all of this I gotta okay my see story is a bit this. differently um what kind of brought me to slasher films was when i was a kid uh horror scared the shit out of me and what scared me the most were the slasher villains like i oh, yeah, yeah. would legitimately believe that it, like if any part of my body was out of the blanket that jason would come and just murder me i just imagine he was outside of my window just waiting um, but that being said i was fascinated by them you know, like I was afraid of Freddy Krueger, but I wanted to know his story. I wanted to know his origins. I'd always like pick my brother for information. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, this is the seminal moment for me. This is uh, my scream. <laughs> you know what Scream did for you? John Carpenter's Halloween is the one that okay. changed everything for me and made me decide to want to go to film school. Oh and made yeah, me realize yeah. that you know there's art behind this. But it was always like slasher films were considered the lowest of the low when it came to horror movies and like i'm like yeah they're they're terrible and i'm like in secretly inside i was like i love them though so uh it was Mm -hmm. it was that and then like getting really high and watching friday the 13th that made me realize like okay there's something more to this (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you know while in film school i saw my bunny valentine and prom night and prom night was one of those movies when i first saw it i was like what the hell was that i need to rewatch this and i watched it like three or four times and i was like okay i get this movie and it's just be kind it became a love and it's almost a love because there's there's two types of horror fans there's the ones who who really love the slasher films and there's the ones who think they're really dumb and like i just i i just i feel like i need to defend them Mm because even when they're dumb there's something to them i have felt more love from I've had more fun watching bad slasher films than, than I've sometimes had from watching good other subgenre horror films. Yeah, there, there's something really um, interesting and mm-hmm. like handmade 
especially about the 80s slasher films. Like, even if they're terrible, someone really cared about it and wanted it to exist and thought they were making something worthwhile. And that's actually one thing I love about it, too. It's, um, uh, I, I, going back to Shockwaves, I think Elric always calls it regional horror. That's one yeah. thing that's, that's, I love about slasher films. Like, you can, because it was a boom, especially, it was, it was, a, it was just a specific time in the United States or yeah. actually all around the world where VHS was really popular, you could just make a, go make a crappy little film and make money with it. So some vacuum salesman in Vermont can be like, this movie made money. I've got a vacuum store. Let's have the vacuum store massacre and just writes a crappy script and can go off and make bank with it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about like DTV slasher. Yeah. Um, there, there's something really idiosyncratic about that. And you got DTV direct to video. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, there's something really idiosyncratic about them, and they're exploring these uh, regions, you're, exactly, that um, you never see in movies before, and a lot of different types of characters, that because these are people who weren't good at making films, they break away from that traditional three-act structure or traditional mm-hmm. character archetypes. So it's weird and it's unique. That's one of the reasons I've been so obsessed of Manos, The Hands of Fate. I, it's oh, it's yeah. painfully hard to watch, but yet I've watched it at least four or five times because it was just I th- actually that he might have been a, a vacuum. No, he's a lawnmower salesman who just decided to make a movie. Yeah, exactly. Which is that's just something that's really incredibly interesting about it. That it's actually one of the best parts about the Mutilator is uh, I know you haven't seen it yet. No, uh, I haven't. But it's you know the guy he he was just living in North Carolina and just wanted to make a movie and. It just feels like North Carolina, and that's what I wanted to do with the slasher film I had showed you my pitch reel for, Swine, yeah. since my family's all from the Appalachian Mountain Range of of Virginia, which, listen to episodes of Shockways, Rebecca's from around the same area, which is... Oh, yeah, she is. Um, and I just wanted to make a slasher, because my grandmother one time told me, she's like, I love living here, because... I don't have to lock my doors and nothing bad ever happens, and I was like, I'll show you. You're like, what if it did, though? So I made a I made a movie I made, I wrote a movie out of spite of my grandmother. <laughs> so sweet. And I love my grandmother, so it's it was kind of mean to me. Well, um yeah. Um <laughs> No, yeah, I absolutely feel the same way about that. But on the same token, slasher films were so popular that there are also really well-made, really really good ones. So, like it Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, it runs the gamut. Like the ones that are really low budget are fun and idiosyncratic and then there are just genuinely great ones. Yeah, like I was actually saying about um I think I we when when we first started talking, uh uh we you you'd ask me some of my favorite slasher films and that's uh, a hard question because like you you always want to be like the cool dude who picks out like really obscure ones, but then when it comes down to it, it's like I know I I love just some of the more I don't want to say generic ones, but some of the more popular ones. Some things are popular for a reason. Yeah, Happy Birthday to me. I think it's just a legitimately well made movie. Yeah, it's really fun. Slasher film or not, like. And like it had a really uh, had a had a really talented director behind it. It's like, you know, I'm looking through this list. Like, uh, you sent me your master list of slasher films, and you know, it's cool that you can see like really well made movies on here, like Ten to Midnight, and then there's ones that like, you know, I, I'm just gonna pick out a random title, Scream Time. Yep. Like, or a uh, bloodbath in Psycho Town. Daytime. Nighttime. Playtime. 
right time. It's always time for scream time. Yeah, like I just love that there's that they ran the gamut so much so that like they they would get legitimate directors behind them, and the, or just some dude working you know at a at a piggly wiggly decides to make a horror film to make himself some money. It's it's really endearing. Oh yeah, and, and um, in 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 my estimation, <coughs> well, because the the slasher format was so popular that pretty much every other genre tried to mimic it. Um, yeah. Like, I would argue that The Terminator is a slasher film, and as much as it, like, o- oh, obeys the tropes and the formula. 100%. And 100%. I, uh, I watched it a couple years ago, just refreshed my memory on it, and I was like, this is totally just a slasher a slasher film formula. Or, like, it's it's you can still feel it in today's, in films me- being made today. Um, uh, it was not a good film. But a couple, uh, I think it might have been a Blumhouse film. Actually, Uh-oh. a couple of years ago, they put out the film the, the the Gallows. Yes, that was a Blumhouse film. And what I was saying, I left the theater. It's like if this movie would have been made in 1980 as a slasher film, it would have been played gangbusters because the fil- it was a slasher film, just it, the way it presented itself. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's a ghost story, but it's that slasher format because that's still how people think of horror. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I would have loved to have seen this movie remade as a slasher film. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so yeah, the, it, it really runs the gamut from prestigious to like every genre that could possibly be. Like, there's there's so many genres within the slasher film. Usually, it's the serial killer, like kind of realistic. But yeah, I, I recently watched uh, The Lamp, which has a genie that's the killer. <laughs> and um, then there's I, what I didn't know. I I didn't know I wanted to see that movie until just now. <laughs> oh my god, it's incredible! It's so weird. Um, but yeah, and then there's, uh, Chopping Mall, which has a bunch of killer robots. Chopping Mall. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. So it's the most misleading title of all time. Oh, yeah. I still love that movie, but it's not what it promises. I do, too. No, like I, I remember the first time I saw that movie, I, I, uh, I just thought to myself, there was a significant lack of chopping in this movie. Yeah, more, more lasers and heads exploding. <laughs> and Laser Mall still would have been a cool title. Oh yeah, that feels kind of like a, like a. I would have watched Laser Mall. Yeah, it feels very uh, like space campy. So uh, as I'm going through this list, um, uh, I, I have, I'm curious. Do you have? locations or like holiday themes that if you see a slash from movie has like well i have to watch that like oh this one's set in a high school i have to watch it this one's set in a summer camp i have to watch it or this one's set on arbor day i have to watch it. like do you have okay. anything like like that um because a- for me it's christmas and or summer camps okay that that's a good question i love um uh, there's a lot. Like, I, I do like the holiday ones because they're kind of, like, subverting these really wholesome ideas, and there were so many. There's Christmas Evil and New Year's Evil and My Bloody Valentine and April Fool's Day and just every single one. Um, yeah. For me, summer camps are fun, but, like, I, I, I don't have a personal experience with summer camp, so that doesn't really resonate with me as much. Funny uh, thing is, I don't either. And that's why I like them because like it was it was a big regret of mine not going to summer camp. So oh, watching okay. a summer camp film makes me feel better for not having gone. Okay, 
Um, I, I think for me, the biggest, uh, I love college movies in general. Um, so yes, I do too, actually. That would be my second. Yeah, so any slasher set on a college campus, I love. I actually, on my blog, on my, uh, I, I have since graduated from college, but on the first week of each semester, I would marathon like five or six college-themed slasher movies. Um, I also love... I don't want this to sound gross in any way, but I love sorority movies because they're just really silly. Do you say silly or spilly? Silly. Okay, because I was like, "What the hell does spilly mean?" I was really no, that that's <laughs> not anything. Um, but no, I just... okay, no, I I get I get the sorority house thing. Like I I watched Killer Party not too long ago. Oh my god, I, I love just... Killer Party. I do too. It was, it was. I think it was playing on Turner Classic Movies. That is truly insane, and I love that. Um, but yeah, speaking, I do too. Yeah, speaking of movies that turn into something that's not a slasher movie halfway through. Oh man, that movie's hilarious. That is a major recommendation for me. Um, I I remember just watching it, being like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's totally it, it, unpredictable. It plays right into my love. It plays right into my love for for Canuck's exploitation too, and oh yeah, you can just it it just you can tell when you're watching something that was made in Canada, at least back then. Like nowadays, it's you know they do do everything they can to hide it, but like back then, it's like oh yeah, this is Canada. You could just tell. Oh yeah, it's 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 there's just an aesthetic. It's the worst kept secret of the slasher movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, there's something about sorority movies that make it the perfect just pool of slasher victims because slasher movies, it, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's shameless. It's perfectly fitting into the molds. Like here's a lot of sexy ladies and we're going to murder them. And then they just go really weird lengths to m- create that story. No, I agree. And I mean, even uh, at, I never, sorry. I never thought about. Cause I always tied that into college, but I guess you're right that it would would be its own separate subgenre. Yeah, it's like a sub subgenre. <laughs> yeah. And I'm speaking as not not a heterosexual. Like I have no interest in like topless women, but w- I love slasher movies that are just totally crazy exploitative because they find that stupidest ways to shoehorn boobs into their movies and i find that incredibly fun it's almost endearing in a strange way it's like i'm obsessed with any movie with uh, that has very blatant product placement oh yeah that's great i love that too it's like you could like there you could either it's same thing of nudity you can either be very subtle and do it in a very classy way or you can just be like Terminator 2 where you'll have a Pepsi machine in the background, a character wearing a Pepsi shirt while drinking a Pepsi. It's like you could just be that obvious with it. Yeah, and some people are like, oh, there's too much product placement. But it can be really fun in this like silly, stilted kind of way. Yeah, well, and that's like, how nudity is for a lot of these movies. Oh, yeah. It's almost never titillating. Um, it's not no. like It's not like, ooh, nudity. It's like, why is this here? <laughs> it's funny you know as a straight male too it sometimes it's funny because like i'll just be like wow she's got really nice boobs but it's not doing anything for me like oh yeah i'll be watching a movie with my wife and she'll even be like she's got nice tits and i was like right (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of (laughs) detached um yeah you just you don't view it as sexy it's just like oh there's a pair of boobs yeah 
And there, I actually, I actually just watched one of the most weirdly homoerotic slasher films I've seen in a long time. Um, What's that? It's called The Majorettes. It's about this like small town high school where all the like uh, baton twirler girls are being killed. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but um, there's this uh, football team, and like one of the main characters is the star quarterback, and like his drama or whatever. But the football team plays their games in these sheer uh, crop tops. <laughs> and then um, this kid is constantly taking off his shirt for no reason. <laughs> like um, another another movie that turns into something else. It turns into like a gang gun battle Rambo-esque thing at the end. And Oh, my God. So he needs to blow up this car. So he takes off his shirt and sticks it in the gas tank and lights it up. <laughs> And so he's running with this assault rifle through the woods with his shirt off, and then he goes to the hospital later, and they still haven't put his shirt on, and it's just ridiculous. I remember I was watching uh, Sleepaway Camp with one of my best friends Ooh, who, boy, who, yeah. who's actually gay, who was gay, and he was, uh, as we were watching it and everything, he was like, I don't, you know, he's like, I know the 80s was a different time, but I don't know who this movie is supposed to be attracting, because he's like, he's like, it's doing more for me than I think... It is for the men because <laughs> oh, yeah, of all the crop tops and cut off shorts and everything. He's like, this movie's doing more for me than anyone else. And I mean, well, that film is aggressively queer in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, yeah, it is the ending, which shouldn't spoil, I guess. Um, but even in the beginning, in the intro sequence, that that's a gay couple on the dock. Like, yeah, it's it's really progressive in its in its own in its own way. Yeah, I mean, it for for the eighties for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that like it scenes like that that I feel like for me anyways that keep keep me going back to it more so than anything else that you know that is notorious for that film. Oh yeah, absolutely. That that film's really interesting from from any perspective, but especially the like queer LGBTs perspective. Um, and before we move on yeah. from this topic, there's a one movie, there's a movie called Girls Night Out, another sorority movie. Um, that one's about, there's like a sorority scavenger hunt and there's a killer in this like bear mascot costume with these like claws that are knives. I'm sold. Oh yeah. I'm it's, sold. It is far from well made, but it ha it has a bunch of like retro oldies tunes in it a bunch of a bunch of replays of yummy 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 i've got love in my tummy (laughs) oh that's a weird song choice yes it's the weirdest movie but the thing i really liked about it is there's a lot of straight sex sequences but you there i don't i i might be totally wrong but there's not a single breast in the movie but every single male character takes Hmm. his shirt off and it's the weirdest thing and i love it it's almost like, and this is gonna sound funny coming from a a a straight white male. I look forward to any time there's male nudity in a movie because it's so rare that I actually cheer. Oh yeah, no, it's it's totally an equality thing. Like, I men need to be objectified to make to kind of even the playing field. I agree. That's why, like, one of my favorite scenes, and it's not a slasher film, but Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox stories, when a character just walks in, he's not, he's got no face, he's just a penis. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's what needs to happen. A character walks into frame, and, and Dewey's talking to him, he's just talking right to his penis. And yeah, like, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I was going through your list, 
Okay. Um, and I was just because you mentioned college horror films, and I was trying to like, like just in- internally just try to count, see which ones I can figure, which ones I thought were college set horror films just by their titles. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then I got stuck on one film, and I'm, I don't know anything about this movie, and I want to know if this is accurate. Okay. Is this really a slasher film? National Lampoon's Clash Reunion? Yes, it is. What? National Lampoon's did a, did a slasher film? Yes, they did. Um, that's actually one that I have not gotten to yet on my list. But um, it's like, that one's kind of been lost. It's not super easy to find. I think they kind of buried it. But um, yeah, it was written by John Hughes. And oh my god, I need to see this movie. Yeah, here, listen to the the plot synopsis. Lizzie Borden High, the class of seventy two, <laughs> are going to their ten year reunion <laughs> until deranged alum Walter Baylor, driven insane by a senior year prank, escapes from the mental institution and crashes the party. I'm sold. I I I, I need I need to track down this movie and I need to see it. Oh yeah, I think I think I have it somewhere. I'll look around. <laughs> I I go to a lot of conventions. So do I. Uh, and the bootleg tables are one of my favorite things. Like the thing, like finding movies that have never made it off VHS and whatnot. Oh yeah, it's very. Uh, as long as you're, it, as long as you don't care so much about quality, which I do and I don't. If I really want to see a movie, I don't care. But yeah, I, you- I I I. I I'm the first to admit I'm pretentious as hell and I care about quality so much so that I actually will throw up color bars on my television and set the <laughs> picture. Well, no, just at, at the level of this kind of obscure slasher film, you have to take what you can get. Like most of what's available yep. right now are rips from VHSs because they've never been released in a proper format. Exactly. So that's why I still buy those collections of like... Um, you know, 15 horror films that oh, yeah. you, know, you might not have ever seen. I buy those because while I might own a couple of them, there will always be a gem. Like, I got a, um, Slaughter High on one of those. And I was like, yeah. oh, I've never seen this, and it's not really available, so I bought the collection just so I can have that. I think I have that same one. I think Chopping Mall is also on that. Chopping Mall is on there. I think uh, uh, two of the Ghoulies films are on there. It's on the cl- class of 1985, or maybe it's 1999. It's class of 1999, yeah. actually. I um, I have yeah, that one got, on my shelf I got right it now. from Walmart. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Got good no, times. It, no, yeah, it's not Blu-ray quality, but w- when you're kind of diving into the past, it, it's, it can be rough. It can be rough and tumble out there. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know exactly how long we've been talking because I've been rolling this entire time. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think it's a 50 minutes to an hour total of, like, content. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more topics that I want to uh, uh, touch on, and then we'll okay. we'll wrap it up. Cool. One of the ones is more so a question for you because I don't have an answer for it. Okay. Um, and if you're you going through slasher films, I noticed on your blog because you're saying when you're going through 1980 is kind of a slog, and you're looking forward to get into 1981. Yes. And as I'm looking through this list and seeing titles, I know some of the ones I really like. I'm surprised how how excuse me how early they are. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, how early they are. Um, did slasher films have a peak, and when? Ooh. Like, when do you think they peaked out and stopped, like, they stopped being interesting? Granted, there's always going to be an interesting entry somewhere. 
Uh-huh. But was there a point where you just felt like, oh, they're just phoning it in from here on out? Okay, um, that's a great question. A, a lot of people, uh, a lot of slasher scholars agree that like the golden year is 1981. Which um, a lot okay. of a lot of the best movies came out like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Happy Birthday to Me and The Burning, and while I agree that that's a evil s- speak, <laughs> wow, that movie is rough, but the ending is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, I I fell asleep watching it, so I got to rewatch it, but I do remember just being like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> yeah, that that ending is great. It's it's like Carrie, but with a military school. Um. And uh, Satan cool. is in a computer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of people say that the peak is 81, and I, I wouldn't... I, I actually probably would disagree with them because I think there are two waves to the slasher movies. They kind of... they Starting with Halloween and then at the beginning of the 80s with Friday the 13th, they kind of crest at 81 and 82 and then slide back down. Like, there's not that many in 84. Um, but I noticed that. Yeah, that was a weak year for slashers. But then two things happened that created a second boom. First of all, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out. It redefined yeah everything. Slashers were big again. Slashers all of a sudden got supernatural. Um, or a lot of the ripoffs of Nightmare on Elm Street started, and also the uh, the home video boom really like got rolling. So there were a lot of the direct to video stuff, and it just flooded the market. And this is an interesting thing. I really love... Sorry, I got distracted again. But I, I, what I like to do is I like to watch a franchise that started before Nightmare on Elm Street and then the sequel that comes out after Nightmare on Elm Street. Because take uh, Prom, hmm. Prom Night, which you really liked. Um, yes. That's a very straightforward Jamie Lee Curtis slasher movie set in a high school, set at a prom. But Prom Night 2... There's also a great dance sequence. You can't forget that. Oh, God, that's the best thing ever. Um, but prom- Yeah, that's what makes the movie, that in the beginning. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm not a huge fan of the original Prom Night, but I love that whole franchise as a whole. Um, okay, that's fair. But yeah, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which I think is the best of them, that came out seven years after Prom Night and after Elm Street became a huge phenomenon. And suddenly, that movie's about a prom queen ghost that's like giving people nightmares and making crazy stuff happen. And then, like, Slumber Party Massacre, the original came out before Elm Street, and that's just a very basic um, slasher kills girls with a giant drill at a slumber party. And the sequel, which came out after Elm Street, is about this girl having crazy nightmares about, like, chickens attacking her and pimples exploding, and then, like, this rock rock star slasher villain is singing her songs in her dreams hmm. like it just it just really See, i would not have, i would have not have put those things together had you not have mentioned it but now i can't not view it that way oh yeah it was a real trend and then there's a bunch of movies like bad dreams and dream maniac and just all this stuff that was total ripoffs of it dream demon yeah ugh. um but anyway i <laughs> i'd say the the second peak of the slasher movie is probably like 87 88 those are the ones that i really really like um they they don't tend to be as gory um because the mpaa had really kind of cracked down at that point um yeah but the thing is because of the elm street influence they could they felt free to just get really weird and you don't need gore if you're seeing like 
someone's head turned into a bowling ball or whatever. Like it's it's not necessarily gory. It's just really weird and it's equally interesting to watch. Um, I agree. Yeah, and, and those that's the period where the movies are super duper. 80s like there's a bunch of like leg warmers and neon colors and crazy synth music and i love (laughs) that yeah i i love that type of stuff too um as we're starting to wrap up a little bit okay real quick i just want to point out a title that i i just happened upon while scrolling through your list that i just think is amazing they don't cut the grass anymore oh that's one i don't know what that movie's about but I feel like I want to see it now. I actually haven't seen that one. I recently added it to the list after a second round of research. Um, I think it's like maybe an hour long. And it's about these two like white rural gardeners in Texas who decide to kill a bunch of yuppies. Okay. It sounds um, really fun. It does. So the last thing I want to talk about, and I could be wrong. Okay. But the little bit I know about you, I uh, I was gonna ask about what if you have a favorite franchise. For me, it's Friday the Thirteenth. And I'm a dead fuck. Like I said, the computer don't lie. I th- I feel like it might be that for you, potentially nightmare. But I wanted to hear what your favorite horror Ugh. slasher franchise is. Okay, there. See, there's a lot. Even if it's just at the moment. No. Um. Okay. Cause. Well, I do love Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, of the big three, which is Halloween and Elm Street and Friday, Friday the 13th for sure is my favorite. Because um, those movies are the most consistent. Um, I, yeah. I think Friday the 13th, no Friday the 13th movie is better than Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. But all of the sequels match the energy and fun of the original, and that cannot be said for those other franchises. Yeah, uh, and like I, I'm open. I'm I'm willing to admit I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Halloween franchise as a whole, and I'll even admit to that. No, that, that that's fine. I that's one that I I personally don't respond to as much, but you know I've seen them all like two or three times. I'm not better than the Halloween yeah. franchise, but um, <laughs> what I don't know. That's the way you made it sound. No, it's it's just my least favorite of the three. That's fair. Um, but I also really love Child's Play. I love the Chucky movies. I think all of them are incredible. I agree. And actually, the third one is one of my favorites, and I can't quite explain why. Yeah, the third one gets a lot of flack, but it's it's just it's a fun, silly, like military school slasher film, and I'm not going to complain about that. And no. As as you should. Yeah, and I, I genuinely think Bride of Chucky is one of the most perfect horror movies ever made. Like it's it's this uh, gothic horror. Okay. It's okay. Let me let me explain myself. It's it's a gothic horror <laughs> romance that's also like a postmodern scream esque like winking slasher film that's also a road trip movie and that's like all of my favorite things. That's fair. I, I responded strangely more to Seed of Chucky than I did to Bride. Okay. After because I rewatched them all recently, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. No, yeah, I I, I think I feel like the reason I liked Seed because Seed just took everything to like the whole postmodern aspect and took it one step even further. Oh yeah, and you and I strangely responded to that. No, you won't catch me complaining about that. I actually, I wrote an article on Blumhouse about why Seed of Chucky is super awesome and radically queer. Um, cause of the way the, the main character's 
gender is kind of being decided by his parents. Um, yeah. But yeah, I actually, I wrote that article a couple months ago and uh, Don Mancini, who directed it, shared it on his Twitter during Pride Month and I felt like I've I've touched the angels. Because <laughs> uh, Don Mancini, he's 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 openly queer. Yes, isn't he? he is gay. That's yeah. what I thought. I, I didn't I didn't know that one hundred percent, but I feel like I heard that somewhere, so I just ran with it. I I didn't check my sources before I said that, but I, I thought that was the case. And uh, I think it's I also love that he has written every single one of the movies, so there's that consistency of his touch. Yeah, to it. and so even when they don't feel consistent, they strangely yeah because they they change so much and the genre has become so different, but they're all him, and that's what's so cool about that franchise. And I love that. Yeah, I love all those movies. No, I think he... I, I love that he's stuck with that franchise, too, and that he loves it enough to keep going with it. Uh, yeah, for sure. And plus, I still stand by that the original film, I think, is just a really well-made film, and the score in that film is just yeah. Um, I Yeah, like I said, I like all of them, but honestly, the first one's one of my least favorites, if only because... Um, there's there's so much more of a crime slash police element to it, which is not what interests me in a slasher movie. Okay, um, that's fair. Like, there's a part where he goes out to kill, like, Vinny the Snitch or whatever, and I'm like, I don't care about this. I want to see you attack this family. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, all right. So there, I was going through some of your okay. reviews, and uh, I found myself agreeing with a lot. Good, of thank them. you. There's this one, uh, though, that... There's one I want I okay. need to defend. I feel like you were just un, un, a little unnecessarily harsh towards Christmas Evil. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book. And I'll bring you something horrible. Okay, I uh <laughs> I will didn't mean to I didn't mean to set you up, but I I, I had to defend my love. No, for that's Christmas fine. Eve. I will I will stand by me being incredibly bored by that film the two times that I've seen it, but I can see why people would like it. For me, it like I think I think the biggest thing with that film is the fact that uh, I don't view it as a slasher film, and I feel like maybe that's where that comes from. Because you know you're you're seeing it more as a you're looking at it like that's a slasher fair. film. And I'm just looking at it as this really weird Christmas avant-garde film. Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a safe bet. Like, like a different approach is definitely what I need, but I just don't have it. No, that's fair. I don't know. I just I had to bring okay. up Christmas Evil because I uh, I spend a lot of time just trying to like get people to watch. Okay, this. well I apologize, but I'm glad you mostly agree with me. Oh, you don't have to apologize. Yeah, I, I, I really, anytime I, I, I have, uh, I've been going back through your catalog and just checking your opinions on things that we, we've both seen, and I've, I've enjoyed uh, your setup. I also like that on your blog you will do, like, favorite kill, favorite oh, yeah. dialogue, uh, sc- legitimately scariest moment. Like, you'll, because I think you're like me, where things don't scare me, but I can tell when something's a good scary yeah. moment. Yeah, oh, especially slasher films. They're mostly not scary. But um, there are always moments where it's like, oh, that's intense or just creepy in some way. Yeah, and you can yeah. you can appreciate it. Um, yeah. So I feel like we've kind of been rambling a little bit, and we've yeah. had some technical issues. Is there anything you want to talk about with slasher films before we Ooh. start wrapping up for for the well, morning? Well, uh, no, I don't know. I th- 
Or any questions you have for me, because I feel like I've been asking you a lot okay, of things. Okay, um, let me see. I had some questions, but it is very hot in my room, so my brain's melting, and I forgot about it. Um, questions for Mike. Well, okay, so what... Wow, okay, sorry. Just give me a sec. I need to stretch out. No, it's fine. I'll, I can cut yeah, all I'm this sorry. empty space out and make it sound like... Everything is coherent. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Okay, what what is the uh, most recent slasher film that you've seen that you've really enjoyed? Like like year wise, like how many years ago was the best like current slasher film? Oh, like current as in not part of the golden era, like eighties, like t- but like ones yeah, like that have been made. If there are any. Oh my god, I actually have to really think about that because I feel like. Most of the ones I see, I can appreciate in one way, but I feel yeah, like there's a lot of retro throwbacks. And it's it's and it's kind of like the same issue that like the faux grindhouse films had, where like I feel like it's made by people who, well, I'm sure they do like these films. I feel like don't get them to the so they're they're just they 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 are mimicking the wrong aspects of it. You know, they're mimicking, like, how goofy that they are when, you know, they're never intentionally trying to be goofy. It's just, you know, yeah. it is organic, and that's... Yeah, there's you, you that can't earnestness to slashers. Um, so, like, yeah, so, like, you know, f- like, Fender Bender, I didn't really gravitate towards, or uh, uh, what was that one? Uh, last One to uh, Die, or to whatever die. it was about, like, uh, the, you know... Uh, most likely to die. I didn't really gravitate towards that one either because I just felt like it was trying too hard. Um, the last one I feel like I saw that I really gravitated towards, I don't even know if they have actual distribution yet. Uh, it was made by a couple Wisconsin filmmakers. They did a film for trauma a couple okay. years ago called Blood Junkie. Uh, their follow-up film uh- is called Billy Club. And I really liked that one. Uh, because it's uh, it's about a baseball team, and um, you know through bullying and everything, like the one of their youngest players Ooh. died, and then a a baseball themed serial killer comes back. Like the opening credits and everything is him, you know, pounding nails into a baseball bat, and he wears that's like, a so catcher's cool. Mitt and everything. It's just it's it's pretty cool, and it has that earnestness. It has the earnestness that I'm looking for, and it's called, so it's called Billy Club, and I like it quite a bit. I could, uh, if if you are if you're unable to find a copy of it, let me know. I will like cool. mail you that, mine that sounds so you awesome. can at least watch it. I, I yeah, I can't say I've seen that one. Cool. Yeah, so that that's one of the better and ones I saw. What what's the like? What's a recent? What's a recent like older slasher film that you've watched for the first time and really appreciated? Hmm. I'd either say it'd probably it, it's um, it's okay. uh, a three way tie because these are the ones I've seen most recently. Uh, sorority House. Oh, I uh, love that movie. Yeah, uh, the House in Sorority Row. I I saw Killer Party recently. Oh they, yeah, that made out actually kind of a funny double feature, and then Graduation Day. Graduation Day. I yeah, I was that's one that how I, I really disliked the first time I watched it, and I kind of warmed on it the second time because it's it's so silly. Um, I just, oh, that, that like roller yeah. skating sequence in the middle lasts forever. And then, I don't know. I kind of liked it, especially with the weird song that was playing. I found myself really just digging the music in that movie. Okay. I don't know. It, I, I was just in the right mood. 
and it hit every it hit everything I wanted to see. Oh, I also saw um, very recently uh, Psycho Cop Returns as part as as part of our uh, Vinegar Syndrome sponsorship. And ooh, cool. Um, it was not a great film, but it was a fun film. Uh, yeah, no that that's kind of what we're talking about. But yeah, no exactly. Uh, I just want. So lo- those are some of the ones I've seen recently that I really I really gravitated towards. Cool. I'm so glad you liked the House in Sorority Row. That's one of my favorite slasher movies ever. We actually, um, and what? Oh no, I was gonna say I want to pick up the Blu-ray for it, but I don't remember if it was Code Red or Scorpion. One of them has it, and uh, it, it can be uh, it can be hard to find titles and everything through them. Oh yeah. So well, I'm I'm crossing my fingers at one point at some point that I can get that film. Yeah, no, it's it's so good. It's it's very Hitchcock esque. Like, there's this really incredible actual thriller element to it of these girls hiding a secret, and I think it's very well shot and it's just so fun. And um, the band that plays at the party, four out of five doctors, they're so good. Um, I have their that's a great name. Oh yeah, I have their entire album. I mean, well, like their collection because they only had two albums. Um. But they're super cool. Um, we actually, on Scream 101, we got a chance to interview the director of the House on Sorority Row really early on. Um, really? That's yeah, awesome. I don't. It's no longer on our uh, podcast's feed, but it's on our website, podpeople.me. It's, I think, episode nine. And he's really, really smart and well-spoken and really interesting. Because... Uh, I'll have to look into that because that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, because he, he went on to direct like a bunch of Hilary Duff movies <laughs> um, after directing The House in Sorority Row. Like, he. Whatever works. Oh, yeah. Man. No, he, he directed Life Size with Tyra Banks, where she's a Barbie that comes to life. Oh, my God. I remember yeah. that movie. Like, he's had this really incredibly interesting and strange career, and he's such a cool guy. That's awesome. Uh, actually, one phone th- film that made me when I was talking about Cold Red a second ago that is a it's not a slasher film, okay. but it feels like one uh, is actually the film Grizzly. Oh yeah, I I haven't seen um, that one, but I saw it's there's so many slow there's there's so many first person sh- shots of this bear stalking young women that it's like this it's it feels like a slasher film oh yeah and see that's the thing just everyone was making slasher films even when they weren't they were so popular yeah like i would say um the 1991 julia roberts movie sleeping with the enemy is very much a slasher film like okay i have not wanted to see that film until um, now it 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 doesn't have it's like it's like a prestige slasher it kind of removes the body count but it has a it has a lot of the same okay. structures um especially the third act but there's a lot of like pov stalking sequences the killer has this really uh like unique uh attribute like cuz she's she's run away from him cuz he was her abusive husband and she faked her death and like moved to Iowa or something so he's like stalking the people who know. Yeah, he's stalking the people wow. who know where she is to try to find her. But on his hand, he has his wedding ring, and then on his pinky, he has her wedding ring. And he's just like chasing her down, and it's this kind of like kind of iconic look that he has. And I think he whistles or something. And so he has this 
presence. So when you hear a whistle, you're like, is that him? Did he find her? And it's it's a pretty good movie. I actually want to see that movie now. So yeah, that sounds cool. The the the, the ring the ring thing is really kind of yeah. Cool it's definitely it's a great too. image, and that that is like the perfect slasher type image. And you see his hands a lot, and a lot of POV stuff. Awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think this has been a pretty great conversation. Is there anything else you want to bring up about slasher films, or should uh, we just uh, call can it? Can I a just day? give a couple of recommendations real quick? Oh, of course. That's I. I asked you to do that, and then I forgot about it. Of course, please give us your recommendations. That's okay. I think we've talked about most of them. I would highly recommend The House on Sorority Row, um, and Killer Party, and Happy Birthday to Me. But there's one more that I really like. Is it's that, called. Is, isn't Knights. that like a tri? Isn't that a trifecta of Canucksploitation right there? Oh yeah, or House on Sorority Row was filmed in Baltimore. That one's not Canada. Oh, but the other never two are. Never mind. Okay, that's well, okay. A double feature. <laughs> Yeah, um, but also uh, 1981's Night School. It's it sounds like it. It's not as college based as the title makes it sound. Um, but that one's about a killer in Boston, and they shot on location in Boston in this like lamplight gaslight district that's beautiful, and and it's another example of like regional areas kind of inflecting a story in the slasher genre, and All it's right. about this. Yeah, it's about this killer who, like, cuts off girls' heads and puts them in water as part of this, like, ancient headhunter ritual. And cool. um, it's just beautiful, and the characters are all really interesting, and I really, really like that one. All right. That's, I, I, I'm probably actually going to be looking for that one myself because that sounds really cool. Yeah. It, 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 my, my, my list of stuff to watch has gotten really big in this episode. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, that one—it's all right. It's not a bad problem to have. No, it's really not. But yeah, Night School is not super gory, but um, there are just some. It's well made. It was actually—it's from the director of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> what? Yeah. So that's oh. weird. Um, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but he's great, and uh, there are a bunch of sequences that seem like they're gonna go one way because you know all about the horror tropes, but they totally reverse it. Like, there's a sequence in a shower that I think is hilarious because it knows exactly what you expect to happen, and then it just kind of doesn't. Awesome. Yes. That sounds cool. Okay. Uh, it's, that's going to be add, like, go to the top of my, like, I need to find this list. Cool. <laughs> uh, no, thank you for the recommendations. No uh, thank you for taking your time to come on to my show because i i think i said at the beginning my my co-host he is running an art festival right now in maryland as part of his job great and uh it it does it's just like i I had every i do these solo episodes i call them i call them a moment a moment with michael where i just pick a topic and i talk about it for a while and uh whenever we can't get an episode because i i know the the one time we skip a skip a week is when it's just you know you're gonna pull on that 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 thread on your sweater and it's all gonna come <laughs> apart so instead i'd rather just have something up than have you know yeah nothing. i'm glad to so be that I, thought, well, I don't really want to do yeah i really didn't want to do just one by myself and while my you know my wife's always more than willing to come talk to me i thought let's see if i can you know 
find someone who knows more about a topic than I do, a topic that I love, and just see what happens with it. And, you know, I had just recently met you on the Shockwaves movie club, and we seemed to hit it off, and you seemed really down to just come talk with me a little bit. Yeah, I really appreciate the invite. Oh, yeah, and before we go, I have one yeah. more question really quick. Because um, you said you've been showing your wife slasher movies. What's one that she's really responded um, to? She told me this list the other day. Uh, she's, she's responded to uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, not, uh, the, uh, Friday the 13th nice. Part 2 and 4, the ones that she really liked. Um, she she really liked uh, not, not I don't know if she necessarily liked it, but we find ourselves quoting it all the time. She really liked Motel Hell. Oh, that was so and that fun. was actually one that she bought for me because um, you know she wasn't. She, it's not that she didn't like movies when she got together with me, but I'm just obsessive about it. So like when when Christmas oh, yeah. came around, she took it upon herself to traverse through Arrow's incredibly large website. And just find a bunch of titles that she thinks I might like. And that was one of the titles she picked. Aww. That's so sweet. And that's a good choice. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if there was another one. Um, like, we've been working through the Child's Play films. And I feel like she she liked those for the most part. We're working through Nightmare on Elm Street right now. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, right now those are some of the ones that she's she's really liked. I'm trying to think if there's any more of the the slightly more obscure ones that she's dug. But uh, sometimes, oh, Happy Birthday to Me, she liked. We watched it on my birthday last cool. year. Cool. So oh, the perfect time to watch it. Yeah, that's I uh, I'm very big on like as the day goes on, like out my brain will go through. It's like oh, I want to watch this movie because of this theme that happened to me today. And I just don't have enough time, you know, to watch most things, but I try to, I try to be thematic with what I'm watching to, to some degree. That's, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, those are some of the ones that she's gravitated towards. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll watch ones just on my own because like, I always get paranoid if it's on like stre- a streaming site somewhere, like say like Amazon prime or who that I'm afraid it's going to go away before I get a chance to watch it. So oh, like, yeah, that happens I'll, just, all the time. I'll, I'll panic and just watch it anyways. <laughs> so like sometimes I forget like which ones I've shown or which ones we haven't seen. But uh, I, I we also had a lot of fun watching Psycho Cop Returns together. Cool. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check it out. So that one's that one's the more people the better to make that one more entertaining. I don't know how fun it will be on your own, but with another person just to 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 make to have fun with the this absurdity of it. Uh huh. Makes it. And it's cool. not slasher, but like it's not slasher. But two of the films that she really got into after meeting me was she got really huge into the Evil Dead franchise and the Reanimator movies. Uh, two great franchises. I love both of those. Yeah, so do I. So yeah, it's been fun. Cool, cool. Well, th- once again, thank you for uh, for coming on. We've in total been talking for almost two hours. Yeah, though. sorry, this about episode's that. not going to be that long. You can babble. No, it's fine. I've had a fun. I've had fun, and I I get excited, and I just start talking, and I've got to get better at not interrupting people. So, but you know, as we podcast, we get better. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, thanks for having me on. I hope people enjoy listening to an hour and a half of us rambling about slasher movies. It's all right. Uh, where can people find you on on the oh, interwebs? Great question. You can find me on Twitter at it's raining brens. Um, <laughs> You can find my podcast at Scream One Hundred One on 
well, iTunes, but it's also on podpeople.me. That's our URL. And uh, you can find my blog at jiffypopculture.blogspot.com. And also my writings at blumhouse.com. I do a lot. <laughs> yeah, and if anyone, um, you know, checks out any of his stuff because you heard him on this show, let him know that this is yeah, where you found do. them. You can find me pretty much... You can find me pretty much everywhere on on Instagram and Twitter, Michael underscore Viers, V as in Victor, I-E-R-S. I got my website that I never update, accident, accidentalconcussion.com. And, uh, yeah, cool. I'm always on Facebook. All right. Well, thank, thank you again, you. Brennan, for coming on. This has been another episode of The Shameless. And uh, we'll talk to you guys when we see you next. <laughs>